0: Some of you uh, maybe have even read Craig Groeschel's book called Weird, or maybe in your life group you're going through the study, and uh, if so, way to go. Glad you're doing that. If you happen to have missed last week, though, I, I think, well, one, it's on the internet, so you can get it there, and it's a great message, but I should probably dial back a little bit just to catch all of us up together. Scott talked about how Jesus gave us two roads in life. One is a broad road. The problem with the broad road, though, it's kind of where a lot of people are at. Matter of fact, most people are there, but he said it's a road that leads to destruction. And then there's a narrow path that Jesus said, and of course, a lot less people on this narrow path. Uh, And it's one that for a lot of people, it takes a lot of courage to leave the broad road to get onto this narrow path. But the good news is that this narrow path leads to life. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've found comfort in my life following crowds, thinking that if the crowd is all headed one way, then they must know what they're doing. But that's the broad road. And when you choose to live life and follow the path of Jesus on the narrow path, um, people are going to call you weird. There's going to be times when you stand out. There's going to be times when maybe you're even made fun of. And here's a key thought that Scott brought up last weekend. He said, if you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. But if you want what few people have, then do what few people do. When it comes to finances, and you look at how the world lives financially, I mean, how, when you look at it, it's normal, looks like this, broke, living from paycheck to paycheck, in debt for the things that I feel like I deserve and want, and struggling. Now, that's normal. How many of you want normal? I don't want that. I want something different than that, and I'm sure you do as well. When it comes to relationships, what's normal today is to experiment sexually with your partner before you ever go to a place of marriage, lifelong commitment. Gotta try things out first. And then when you get married, normal is that if it doesn't work out, you end up in a divorce, right? Normal in relationships is guilt and shame and fear and rejection. And that's not what God has for you. God wants us to live lives that don't always fit the mold of normal. Normal when you get older is, gosh, if I could just have enough money, one day I'll retire when I'm 65 or 70 and then I'll get to go play golf and plant and my, you know, plant a garden and hang out. But God has better for you than that kind of normal retirement. I believe, I believe God has something for us, but it's going to come through walking the narrow path with Jesus. And it's going to come sometimes at a sacrifice. There's discomfort at times in that. And it takes courage to choose that narrow path you see we're not talking about weird just to be weird matter of fact there's bad weird and then there's good weird bad weird is like hey i'm just like socially dysfunctional and i want to cram my values down everybody else's throat and whenever i'm talking i want everyone to make sure and listen bad weird is just weird but what happens is when your life is set to please God, that's going to gonna sometimes make you stand out in a way that feels weird to other people. Weird is having peace when there's no reason to have it. Weird is experiencing joy when your circumstances are set against you. Weird is having security and knowing who you are in God's eyes. Weird is not living a life of guilt and shame, but a life that's filled with purpose and filled with direction and clarity. The first time I got weird as a Christian, I remember it really well because I was working in the book business and I had moved to Tyler, Texas to do this business, went to this church where I eventually ended up meeting my wife. And I was. it was in this little church that I, for the very first time, began to understand how um, I could grow as a Christian listening to Bible teaching. And so I started going weekly to this church and then I developed friendships. I had, didn't have any Christian friends. And then all of a sudden I had these friends. And then I developed these mentors who were some of the people on the staff that were pouring into me and developing uh, me as a disciple of Jesus. And, and, and my life started to change and I, I, I decided I'm gonna move here and I'm gonna go to this church. I'm gonna leave the business that I'm in I'm gonna gonna move from Arizona, I'm gonna move over to Texas and go to this little church. Well, I called up my mom and dad, thinking they would be pretty excited about that. Guess what? They thought I was crazy. They thought I was weird. And then I I looked for some some, uh, support from my friends and I called a couple of my friends and they thought I had joined a cult. (laughs) Really, seriously. And then I talked to the guy that was mentoring me in business, and I said, "Hey, I'm going to move out here to Tyler, Texas, and go to this church. And I'm going to matter of fact, it's been fun working with you, but I'm not going to work with you anymore. I'm going to move out here, find a new job, start a new life." Thinking he would be excited, he was. He was shocked. He was so shocked. And he was a religious person, sort of. And he's like, "Why can't you just find a church here in Arizona, go and..." you know, kind of be a religious person here in Arizona. And I said, because it's not about being a religious person. It's about growing in my walk with God and learning to love Jesus more passionately. And I gave him this little speech and he just went, whoa, dude, see you later. Good luck with all that. People sometimes think you're weird, weird when you follow God. My brother Chris moved out to Tyler, Texas with me. And uh, he had his own situation. He was a very normal guy, he was a bouncer, living uh, in San Diego, living with his girlfriend, working at a bar, and uh, he moved out. Uh, he decided, hey, I wanna move out to Tyler, Texas as well, let's room together, and, and so he flew back to San Diego, got with his girlfriend, told her that he had become a Christian, he wanted to move out and grow as a disciple of Jesus and go to this church, and, He invited her to move out with him and come out and attend this church and become a a Christ follower. And she looked at him and she thought, you are not the person that I knew before. See you later. You're too weird. And so he was sad, but he loved Jesus more than he loved his girlfriend. And he moved out to Tyler and we ended up rooming together. We met sisters. We married sisters. (laughs) It worked out for us. And uh, No, it wasn't a cult. No, you don't have to move to Tyler, Texas to grow in your walk with God. Don't worry. God has a custom-designed weird just for you. Uh, but that was ours. And, uh, and, and sometimes people just don't understand it when you're completely serious and steadfast about following God. Here's what God said in 1st Peter chapter 1 verse 16. He said this, "Be holy because I am holy." Be holy because I am holy. When I first heard the word holy, like God wants me to be holy, that was intimidating to me. Matter of fact, that's one of the reasons I never wanted to go to a church because I just looked out and saw a bunch of people that were probably holy and I wasn't. I knew my attitudes weren't holy and my actions weren't all holy and 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 I didn't know what that really even meant. But let me give you a a little encouragement if you're one of those that are intimidated by that word. The root Greek word holy is hagios, and it means pure. It means set apart. It literally means to be different. God says, I'm holy. I'm different than all other gods. I'm set apart. God is pure in an impure world. And God is different, and he calls us to be like him. 1 Peter 2, chapter 2, verse 9, Peter said this about Christians. He said, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. You are to be a distinct people, uncommon, different from the world around you. And here's the key. Those of you who are seriously following Christ not just in name, but you truly want to honor God with your life. You see, there's a broad path that fits in with everybody else. And then there's a narrow path that Jesus calls you to. And the narrow path, the one where your goal is to please God, is one in which you will be set apart. And you will begin to adopt the value systems of the Scripture. And you'll begin to want to live to please your heavenly father. And yes, there'll be times when people make fun of you. When it smacks people in the face unintentionally, mind you. Because people want to hold you back and keep you being normal, right? Don't leave. Don't leave us. Don't become weird. Be normal like me. The problem is normal doesn't work. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 gives us a great picture of what it means to be holy. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. When my boys were little, you know, three, four, five years old, they used to love to walk around and they would imitate me, you know. And so if I was going to go out in the yard and work and rake, they would find something to go out in the yard and rake too. Or maybe we were in the house and I would go over to Tisa and and give her a big hug. And then they they would go over there and they would give her a big hug on her leg. And then I would yell at our dog who was being bad, cowboy, the Australian shepherd. And then they would scream and yell at the dog. And then that's where the analogy departs from God, okay? (laughs) I'm imperfect. Imitating me eventually breaks down. But God said, imitate me. Why? Because you're dearly loved children. Because he loves you. He says, live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must be not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, Foolish talk or coarse jesting or joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. That's not normal. Would you agree? That's not a normal way to live life. I mean, if you, as a young adult, let's say you decide, hey, I'm going to save myself. Sexually, until I'm married to that person God identifies as the lifelong partner for me. You won't fit in. Or if, if maybe you decide, you know what, instead of complaining every time life doesn't go my way, I'm going to start just giving thanks all of the time to God. Instead of laughing at all of those jokes that everybody wants to, to laugh at, that put people down, that that are sexually inappropriate, whatever, and you decide, hey, I'm not going to go that path anymore. All of a sudden, people wonder what happened to you, right? Man, it used to be fun. Now you're not. When you decide, instead of hoarding and being greedy and making sure you save every dime you can or spend it on yourself, and you decide to be a generous person and begin to give and pour out, people wonder, why are you, why are you being sloppy with your money. See, David, the man after God's own heart, said this in Psalm 69. He said, God, passion for your house has consumed me. That's a radical guy. That's a statement right there, isn't it? That God, the things that matter to you, the things that are your values, the way you think, that has captured my heart and I'm passionate for that. I worship you. And he goes on, he says, and those, and the insults of those who insult you, God, have fallen on me. In other words, God, I am so close to you, and I want to imitate you, and I want to be like you, and I want to be near you, that whenever people fire those arrows of insult towards you, they hit me because I'm close to you. And when I weep and fast, they scoff at me. And when I dress in burlap to show sorrow. That was something that they did back in that day to repent, to say, God, I'm sorry for how I've been acting and how I've been thinking. And when they would come back to God, they would dress in burlap and they would weep and put ashes on their head. And when you turn to God, however that looks for you, you don't have to wear a burlap, but whenever you feel grieved in your spirit for how you've been living, how you've been thinking, how you've been treating people, and you repent and you come back to God, people will laugh at that. They think it's unnecessary. I love verse 12. It says, they make fun of me. I'm the favorite topic of the town gossip and all the drunks sing about me. Here's the deal. If you think you're weird and there's not drunk people out making songs about you, then you got some more weird to go. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I mean, when you leave the broad path and you get onto the narrow path, people will mock you. They may make up some funny songs about you. They're going to call you weird or different. They may want to pull you back into the bucket with this crab mentality. Have you ever seen how crabs act in a bucket? It's kind of gross because one little crabby that wants to get out, what happens is all the other crabs pull them back down right? Because the mentality is, is, you're not getting out. If I'm not getting out, you're not getting out. And matter of fact, if that one crab that wants to get out of the bucket tries really hard, gets really persistent, the other crabs will actually break his arm. And if he continues to try to get out of the bucket, they'll kill him. I wish to say that human beings weren't like that, but often humans... Can be the very same way. And I'm not saying that someone's, uh, someone's going to break your arm. They may just break your spirit. They may not kill you, but they will kill your dreams. Maybe it's a group of people, a group of friends, a social circle, people that you're hanging out with at work or school. God has something better for you. He doesn't want you to hang out in a, in a bucket of crabs, people holding you back. The rest... The rest of people, the the people who live that way often want to keep everything normal, keep everything the same. Don't break free. Don't break out. Why do people do that? Because there's comfort in the crowd. There's security in that. There's that sense of don't leave us. Some of you are growing in your walk with God right now. Some of you, the word of God has made a, a, a huge impact in your life. Some of you in this last year, you've grown more than you have in years previously. But there's this cultural sense of fitting in. that You have to fight against if you're going to continue to grow. You have to fight against that desire to be normal, to fit in, to have everyone like you so that you look like everyone else. The, The reality is, is people really don't care that you go to church. That actually is pretty normal. What's abnormal is when you fall deeply in love with God and you get passionate about the things of God. All of a sudden, that's like, "Whoa, you're taking this thing too far. Taking it too far. Just go and be a nice little hard-working, goody-two-shoes person." You see that type of religion is powerless. It has never changed anyone. God wants to give you a kind of faith that storms the gates of hell and sets captives free. God wants to give you a passion and a conviction to live out the values of the kingdom, that it aligns with what you say you believe, that your actions align with that. God wants us to fight for people's freedom and for the things that matter to God. So that means we have to deal with this inward pressure and an outward pressure. The inward pressure is the pressure to please people. The need to please. And if I'm honest, that has been something that has been like an Achilles heel to me for years, is wanting to please people, wanting to keep people happy. You know, sometimes when God will maybe prompt me to do something that feels a bit radical, I I often jump really quickly to, I wonder what people would think. What would my family say? What would my friends think? Gets in the way. Proverbs 29, verse 25 says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. The scripture says that fear of people, fear of what people will think of you, fear of what people might do to you, if you get off the broad path, onto the narrow path, that that fear becomes a snare. It holds you back. It holds you in those things where you're in relationships that are negative, that hold you in addictions because you want to break free on your own, on your own terms without having to become honest or humble or repentant for what others might think of you. You don't want it to get out that you have problems. See, that is a snare in your life. It says whoever trusts the Lord is kept safe. Where is it that you're ensnared? Where is it that you're afraid to get off that broad path? See, God has a custom weird just for you. And for maybe, maybe, I don't know what it is. Maybe for some it's like, hey, I want you to go ahead and just get rid of your TV because you're wasting too much time with it. Well, that doesn't fit into society at all, does it? You won't be up to date with all the latest uh, uh, e-gossip or whatever it's called. What if God said, I want you to get rid of your smartphone because you're too addicted to social media. Just use a flip phone for the next year. Go, that's the devil. That can't be God. (laughs) Maybe it's like, I want you to quit dressing the way you've been dressed. I want you to dress more modestly. Maybe you make that decision. Man, all my friends dress half naked. I'm going to dress more modestly. Yeah, you're not going to fit in. Go to the store. It's hard to even find a style that's going to work that way, isn't it? Or maybe you say, I believe God is leading us to be a foster parent. But you look at your family and you already have four kids. And you think, oh, what would my mother say? (laughs) Fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. See, I can promise you one thing. That as you follow God, as you walk with God, as you make that choice to be different, to be holy, to be set apart. It's not always going to fit in with people and their mentality. It's not always going to fit in to political correctness. It's not always going to fit in to the group or the circle of friends that you want to like you. But when you're obsessed with what people think about you, you forget what God thinks about you because he thinks differently about you there's this inward pressure to please there's this outward pressure called criticism you know criticism is a powerful thing and we feel it and even when people don't say it we can feel the vibe of it sometimes right what are you doing going to church all the time are you like this religious fanatic now Why are you always serving the homeless? Don't you know we're always going to have poor people? And anyways, a bunch of them are just scammers. Let's go party and have fun. Man, we used to smoke weed together. Come back. You're not any fun anymore. What, do you think you're holier than everybody else? They'll make fun of you. And they'll criticize you. And they'll persecute you. And then, what are you going to do? Jesus said in John 15, If the world hates you, Keep in mind that it hated me first. Because if you belong to the world, if you're normal, you always fit in, it would love you as its own. As it is, you don't belong to the world because you're different, you're set apart. You're weird. And I've chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Verse 20, the middle of the verse, Jesus said, if they persecuted me, They're going to persecute you also. So you got to get ready for it. Matter of fact, let me ask you this question. When is the last time someone ridiculed you for your faith, for your life, for your lifestyle? When is the last time you felt mocked or ridiculed or persecuted in some way? Because if we're not ever feeling that, what kind of faith do we actually have? Is it so sedated and so neutered and so able to fit in that nobody even knows that you're a Christ follower, that nobody even cares? People don't change just because we're, you're a good person. People change because they see life transformation in your life. And that your life is different than the world around. I remember um, when Tis and I were married for a couple years, um, we decided we wanted to get out of debt. We wanted to live differently financially. I had a really good job at the time. We were living on the good side of town and living in a big home. Um, And and we felt together that God said, hey, I, I want you to live differently. And so we ended up moving to the uh, more dangerous side of town and we lived in a rental small rental house and Tisa's dad was super mad at us for doing that and our friends didn't understand and then it got worse when we sold our brand new car that cost thirty thousand dollars and we bought a twelve hundred dollar old beater And we wore some used clothes and i mean people thought maybe i was going to the casino on the side and losing you know <laughs> but we were committed to this and so we just We paid off all of our debts, got out of all of my student loans, everything within like two years. And then we were able, during that time, we continued to give and to tithe and to to, uh, contribute towards causes that we cared about. And God allowed us to go on a mission trip that we were able to fund most of that trip ourselves um, for two years. Because there's something about owing nobody anything except to love them. And to be able to follow God in our lives financially, if you decide to follow God in your life, in any realm, including financially, it's going to look different than the world around you. And you may be criticized. Because when you follow Christ, you leave the normal road. You get on a narrow path. And you open yourself up to criticism. But I think the thing we should be worried more about than being criticized is when we're not being criticized when we fit in so well that everybody just sees you or me as normal. Maybe our Christianity has become too comfortable, too acceptable. Don't try to follow everyone else's steps of faith. God has something just for you. Matthew five ten, Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Notice it didn't say they're doing things and saying things about you because you're a jerk. That's not what being weird is. They said because of me, because of the testimony of Jesus in your life because of just your lifestyle convicts. And even when you walk humbly, there's something about the boldness and the courageousness of your life that it just doesn't seem to fit in. You see, you can't please everybody. Try and please this group and that group hates me. And then I try and please this group and then this group hates you. So you can really only please one person and that's God. He's the easiest one to please too. He never changes. He makes it simple. He doesn't expect perfection. He just says, follow me. Follow me. Get on the narrow path. And When you blow it, just admit it. Just admit it and just repent and just come back to me because I'm, I'm merciful and I'm gracious. Follow me. It's easy to please God. It's hard to please everybody else. Let me close with this passage In 1 Thessalonians 2, it says, For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. See, becoming obsessed with what people think is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. If you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. If you want what few people have, do what few people do. When you follow Christ, when you choose to go down a path of holiness, down a path of being different, down a path of being set apart, a path where there's ongoing change happening on the inside, sometimes you'll be persecuted for that. Sometimes you will stand out. Not being weird for weird's sake, but being weird because you're committed to please God with your whole life. And that's my prayer for us as a church family that. Our desire would be to please him more than we wanna please other people. I'm gonna invite you to do something with me right now. Would you stand up? We're gonna pray. But I've asked the worship team to come back out and sing a worship song, and I wanna invite you to do something a little bit weird. I wanna invite you to come down to the front and worship at the front, and just take that public stand for some it might be a commitment to Christ that you're making today to say, you know what? I'm tired of what other people think and how I might be judged. I'm going to stand for Christ today. For others, it might be, you know what? I have, I have lived too much trying to live on a broad road and the narrow path, and today I'm just choosing the narrow path. Whatever it might be for you, if God prompts you to do that, I want to invite you to just come down and worship at the front as we worship God in co- courageous boldness. God, we just thank you Lord, that you're at work in our lives, and our hearts, and you know, we know, we're imperfect. But God, we thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ who came and lived and died and rose again. And because of that, I can come to you boldly and be in your presence. And because of that, Lord, Jesus set me free, and I'm in love with him, hopelessly in love with him the rest of my life. And I don't care who knows it, and I don't care who mocks me for it. Jesus, come in. Come in and help me become more bold and more courageous in my life, in my faith, in my walk with you. I'm committing All in, all in, all out, completely yours today, Jesus. Amen. See, we're not about impressing anybody for our spirituality, nor are we about being ensnared by other people what they may think about us for our spirituality. We just want to please an audience of one God, our Heavenly Father. Let's worship. I invite you to come. That's why we are here. Um, to tell you, God, that we love you. Lord, to live our lives to your glory, not to our own. Lord, we pray, would you continue, God, to stir us to love and good works. Stir us, Lord, with a passion for things that matter to you. God, we pray that in those times when we're misunderstood, in those times when when we're taking bold steps to walk with you, and and it looks different. Lord, I pray that you'll help us have the courage, God, to follow through. Help us have the courage to please you above all other people. Lord, we pray that you'll help us. Help us, Lord, to love justice and to act merciful and loving and to walk humbly with our God. So we give you that. We give you this praise gladly this morning, Jesus. And our, our lives are yours. We say yes to you. I say yes to you today. Pray this, Lord, in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you, everyone. Have a wonderful day wonderful day today, go out and have a great day.